Good morning, everyone, and welcome to our time of worship, reflection and prayer for Sunday, the 15th of August. We continue to think about the theme of church, and today we pause to reflect upon Paul's image of the Church of Jesus Christ as a body. Psalm 139 reminds us of how wonderfully made and complex the human body is, all its parts arranged by God. O Lord, you have searched me and you know me. You know when I sit and when I rise. You perceive my thoughts from afar. You discern my going out and my lying down. You're familiar with all my ways. Before a word is on my tongue, you know it completely, O Lord. You hem me in behind and before. You have laid your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me too lofty for me to attain. You created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Let us pray. Lord, we thank you and we praise you for your knowledge and your love. We think of the vastness of space and time, wonderful worlds, wildernesses, landscapes that no human being has ever set eyes upon. The unimaginable energy and beauty of supernovae, pulsars, stars, galaxies and nebulae. The richness and complexity of life on this earth yet to be fully understood mystery of so much of what we see around us, of the human brain and consciousness, life itself. Such knowledge, O Lord, is too wonderful for us, too lofty for us to attain. All of this, and yet even one little sparrow dropping to the ground, does not escape your attention. You know the exact number of hairs on our head. You see right into our inmost thoughts and motives, discerning our fears and our desires. You know us completely. Lord, what else can we do but worship you? You have shown us what perfect love, what perfect justice looks like in becoming like us, taking on our frailty, and limitations, absorbing in your human body all the the worst evil and injustice this fallen world could throw at you, bearing our sin and praying, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Lord, forgive us our sins as we confess them to you now, our sins of omission and our sins of commission. Forgive us for merely living to serve our own self-interests without looking to the interests of others. Lord, cleanse and renew us today. Fill us anew with your Holy Spirit, rekindling, fanning into flame once again the fire of your love, of our love for you. We pray in the name of Jesus, who taught us to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. 
Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power and the glory, for ever and ever. Amen. Our Bible reading for today is taken from uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 12, and we're reading from verses 12 through to 31. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, and reading from verse 12. Let us hear the word of God. Just as a body, though one, has many parts, but all its many parts form one body, so it is with Christ. For we were all baptised by one Spirit, so as to form one body, whether Jews or Gentiles, slave or free. And we were all given one Spirit to drink. Even so, the body is not made up of one part, but of many. Now if the foot should say, because I'm not a hand, I do not belong to the body, it would not for that reason stop being part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I do not belong to the body, it would not for that reason stop being part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? If the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? But in fact, God has placed the parts in the body, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. If they were all one part, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, but one body. The eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you. And the head cannot say to the feet, I don't need you. On the contrary, those parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. And the parts that we think are less honourable, we treat with special honour. And the parts that are unpresentable are treated with special modesty. While our presentable parts need no special treatment. But God has put the body together giving greater honour to the parts that lacked it, so that there should be no division in the body, but that its parts should have equal concern for each other. If one part suffers, every part suffers with it. If one part is honoured, every part rejoices with it. Now you are the body of Christ, and each of you is a part of it. And God has placed in the church, first of all, apostles, second prophets, third teachers, then miracles, then gifts of healing, of helping, of guidance, and of different kinds of tongues. Are all apostles? Are all prophets? Are all teachers? Do all work miracles? Do all have gifts of healing? Do all speak in tongues? Do all interpret? I eagerly desire the greater gifts. And yet I will show you the most excellent way. And may God bless to us this reading of his word. Whenever I was still a little boy, I remember being intrigued by one of the novels on my grandparents' bookshelves. It was called Watership Down, written by Richard Adams. A story of 12 rabbits searching for a warren to call home. You may remember it was made into quite a, a gruesome animation that caused a wee bit of controversy at the time. It's not one for 
young children. It's a little bit grisly in places. But it came to my attention again, not just because it's recently been made into a new miniseries, but also because it was referred to in a recent article by the Reverend Sam Wells, reflecting on lessons learned from the pandemic. In the story, 12 rabbits are on a journey to find a new home, and they encounter different communities of rabbits along the way. There's one that's very traditional, very hierarchical, but doomed to destruction by humans. Another is run by a fierce general like a military regime, and in it the rabbits are are kept safe from the outside world, but within the community itself, um, the rabbits live in this constant state of fear. A third one resembles a little bit more our modern society. The rabbits in it have plenty and the living is easy, but they've lost their ability to find their own food and more seriously to tell the truth. They can't bring themselves to acknowledge that they're under the spell of a farmer who feeds them, but who also snares and kills them one by one. Now the last home, the one the rabbits eventually find for themselves at Watership Down, is very different from all of those others. The most important thing the rabbits have discovered on their journey is that they need each other. One of the rabbits is big and strong, another is quick thinking and imaginative, a third is speedy, a fourth fiercely loyal, a fifth a good storyteller, and the key rabbit is the smallest and the clumsiest, who yet has a sixth sense that anticipates danger. And what makes this group of rabbits so significant is that they find ways of using the gifts of every member so that they're never short of wisdom and intelligence about what to do next, or courage and strength to do what is needed. In other words, they live and they think and they move like one body, rather than as a dozen separate bodies. And last week and this week, I'm taking the opportunity to reflect on the subject of church. It seems like a good time to do that. We were reminded last Sunday of how Christ has a plan for his church, that he's still working to that plan. And today we're looking at one of the most well-known illustrations of the church from the New Testament, the church as a body, the body of Christ. Now some of the illustrations that Paul uses are a little bit hard sometimes for us to get our heads around. They don't quite resonate that well with us across cultures and across thousands of years uh, without a a little bit of exposition, explanation. Um, But not this one. This one speaks to all of us, whatever our generation, whatever background we're from, for the simple reason that every one of us has a body. Now, to give you a little background, the church in Corinth was one that was divided on many different issues. And one of those issues was the use of spiritual gifts in that there were some in the church who felt that their particular contribution to the life of the church made them more important than others. Which, in turn, led to others feeling that they were in some way inferior, useless, undervalued, not really belonging. 
And it's in that context that Paul talks about the church as a body. Now, body, of course, is one. It's a unity. But it has many different parts. Paul knew that even without having to Google it. But if you Google it, if you look it up today, you can discover that the human body has over 200 bones, almost 80 different organs and millions of cells. And we need all of them for the body to function properly. All these different parts function together as a unity, a body. And what can be said of the human body can also be said of the church. One body, the body of Christ. Many different parts, all the parts needed for the body to exist and to function. Paul writes, imagine what would happen if the foot would say, because I'm not a hand, I do not belong to the body. Or if the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I do not belong to the body. Imagine this hypothetical situation where a foot or an ear were wishing that they were something else. That's quite a funny situation to imagine, but that's exactly what was in danger of happening in the church of Corinth. This artificial hierarchy of gifts was in danger of leading some in the church to feel inferior and useless, that they didn't really have a part to play at all in the life of the church, that they didn't really belong. And in response to that danger of some people feeling in some way inferior or useless, Paul says, imagine if the whole body were an eye. Where would the sense of hearing be? Can you imagine your whole body just being one big eye? You wouldn't miss a thing. It would be great for watching your favourite team on TV, but you wouldn't be able to, to cheer them on. You wouldn't be able to celebrate a win. You'd just have to watch while everybody else was singing and shouting and jumping around. If you were just an eye. Not much fun. A body needs all of its parts to function. Paul says in verse 18 that it is God who has arranged the parts of the body. Every one of them. Just as he wanted them to be. If they were all one part where would the body be? The body, well, it just wouldn't exist if there weren't these different parts in it, and it wouldn't function as it was meant to. The same is true for the church, the body of Christ. For the church to exist and to function as it ought to, every member of the body has to remain within the body. And every member of the body has to play its particular part. That's the diversity of the body. And that's why the body needs you. Sometimes as ministers, you know, we can give the impression, be it intentionally or unintentionally, that our congregations are a body consisting of one part or of a few parts. Whereas the truth is that we're a body made up of many parts in which the minister is just one of those parts. In our case, over 400 other parts. And I hope you'll forgive me and correct me if from time to time I have ever created that impression. Paul's illustration of the body emphasises that the body is made up not of one part, not two parts, not three parts, but many 
parts, many parts, each with its own distinctive and crucial role to play. That is the diversity within the body of Christ. Every member is important and their contribution to the life of the church is important. That's why the body needs you. Secondly, let's take a look at why you need the body. There's always the temptation in church to think, well, I could quite easily get along without those others. The tendency to restrict the church maybe to a few super spiritual, highly talented, superior gifted, self-sufficient people. But verse 21 puts it, the eye cannot say to the hand, you know what? I don't really need you. Of course the eye cannot say that. And the head cannot say to the feet, I don't need you. The head plays a very vital role in that even to move one foot in front of the other, it all has to be processed through the brain. That's how important the head is. But the brain can do all the processing at once. But if there's not a foot to go in front of another foot, then all the processing in the world won't do much good. The head, says Paul, cannot say to the foot, I do not need you. In fact, Paul goes on to say that the parts of the body that often appear to be the weakest, well, they're often the ones that are indispensable. And the parts that we think are less honourable, we treat with special honour. And the parts that are unpresentable are treated with special modesty. In other words, he's saying that just because there are some parts that you maybe wouldn't want to, to put on public display, doesn't mean that you don't need those parts. Doesn't mean that you don't treat them with respect and with honour. In fact, the very opposite should be true. We should show them even greater respect. Why? So that there should be no division in the body. No thought of inferiority or superiority. No thought that we might do without certain things. But rather that each part should have an equal concern for each other. That's still a challenge and a rebuke for us today, isn't it? Maybe especially today, in this age of extreme individualism, it's a real challenge to the kind of thinking and living that tends towards isolationism and self-sufficiency on the part of us Christians. Rather than go it alone, isolated, independent Christians, God has placed us in a body. And he's done that for a reason, a good reason. And the reason is simply this. We need one another. We need one another. We need this coming together, working at building of relationships with other members of the body who have an equal and reciprocal concern for one another. Now Paul finishes this section by saying that if one part suffers, Every part suffers with it. If one part is honoured, every part rejoices with it. Have you ever broken a toe? If you have, you'll know that even though it's just a, a small part of your body, your whole body will suffer. Your face will turn pale. Your voice will cry out. Tears might come from your eyes. Your whole body may even shake. And that's precisely the way the church should be as members of the body. 
we should be in relation to one another so that our sorrows are able to be shared and our joys are able to be shared. That's the body of Christ and each one of us are to be a, a part of it. And the reason why God has given certain gifts to some members of the body and certain gifts to other members of the body is not so that we can come to the conclusion that we are somehow better and more important than others or that we don't need others or can go it alone. The reason that God has given us certain gifts is so that the whole body grows and develops together so that we realise that we really do need one another. We need the whole body. That's important for us to remember just now as we begin to come together again, to gather again on Sundays and as a church community, to meet again, whether it be in, in homes or in church, to remember just how much we need one another and to function as a body, the body of Christ. Amen. Let us now come before God with our prayers for one another and our prayers for our world. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you that you have bought us and saved us and redeemed us to be one body filled with the same spirit. We thank you for the diversity of this community that we call the church and all the many gifts that you have given us. Help us, Lord, to value each one. Help us to use our gifts, realising that we each have our part to play in your body, the church. We thank you that you not only call us to be a church community, but that you call us to model a new kind of society for our world. Thank you for how the past year and a half has shown us how everyone in society is valuable. Even those whose roles have traditionally been looked down upon or overlooked. Suddenly we've seen how essential each one is to our society as a whole. Lord, help us to carry those lessons with us as we move out of pandemic. To value every person, to find Christ in being with the hungry, the thirsty, the naked, the stranger, the sick and the prisoner. Lord, we have been horrified and confounded in the past weeks at how some very young children in our society have fallen victim to violence as if their lives have no or little worth. Lord, help us to see how we can address some of the, the issues behind this. Be with those who are grieving right now, parents, grandparents, family, friends, the wider communities in which these crimes have taken place. We pray too, Lord, today for the country of Afghanistan and the safety and the security and the freedom of its people. We pray for wise action on the part of other governments, for constructive dialogue and moderation. Lord, we pray that in those areas that have fallen to the Taliban, that decency and respect and tolerance might be upheld alongside law and order, especially so that the rights of women and girls and other minorities, including Christian believers, may be protected. 
We thank you, Lord, for our Holiday Bible Club this past week, for all the leaders who, who helped us so ably, for all the children who came back each day and really enjoyed being there. Lord, help them to remember the things they learned there, about how special they are to you and the gifts that you have given to them to serve and to help others. As we look forward to more things starting up, Lord, we pray that you would bless those plans while keeping us looking out for and caring for one another. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. And now may the blessing of God Almighty, Father, Son and Holy Spirit be with us all, now and forevermore. Amen.